0: The day I decided to become radically responsible for myself and the results of my life was when I turned my obstacles into opportunities. I'm here to help other ambitious entrepreneurs create a relentless mindset, a resilient faith so that you can harness the power within your own journey and realize your potential in your life and your business. I'm your host and no fluff coach, Nisha. Welcome to the show. But let all who take refuge in you be glad. Let them ever sing for joy. Spread your protection over them that those who love your name may rejoice in you. Psalms 511. Once upon a time, I used to be able to sing. I wasn't talented or gifted in singing, but I had a solid alto, right? Enough to do a few solos in my school's choir. I was just okay. Being okay didn't stop me from... um, forcing to this day. It doesn't stop me from forcing my kids to spectate when I'm in the midst of a cleaning concert. I know you know what I mean. If there is one skill that I wish I could have is singing. Like to some extent dancing but I really don't care about dancing enough but singing is definitely it. I've always loved the way that words could move someone. My childhood dream was to write for Hallmark. Add music to it and it becomes this like transformational experience. I mentioned in episode three that I'm in the midst of this ascension and it's brought forth a few revelations about myself. This one that I'm sharing today took some time to arrive at. Uh, I was afraid of it once upon a time, quite honestly. And when you know that you're not good at something and therefore no one is likely having any expectations about that thing of you, it's much easier to take action toward it. That's me in singing. I can karaoke myself silly because it's just a joke. It holds no expectations of being good or reaching anyone and have a desired intent, right? Except fun and joy. But I'm sharing today's episode with this revelation because I know that there is going to be a takeaway for you. So, a couple of months ago, um, I was choir cleaning, right? Concert cleaning, and received this divine download that told me to make a joyful noise. I knew exactly what it meant because I've heard it before. I've actually heard it multiple times, but I've ignored it time and time again. I kind of started with it, went in a direction, and then I was like, you know what, Mm, maybe not. But let me backtrack here for one moment because I feel the need to ensure that, you know, that I am a God girl, but I'm not a traditional believer. I cuss a little, I talk about God a lot. I talk about the Bible, but I don't interpret it literally. I just want to make sure we have this baseline about when I quote things and I talk about God, where, where I am coming from, that's not to say there's something wrong with where you stand. It's just my uh, spiritual relationship. But I read in the Bible, I read somewhere that in the Bible, joyful noise is used in a way to express gratitude and joy for God and his mercy and his grace. Right. And I read somewhere that uh, in the English standard version of the Bible, the words joy, Rejoice or joyful appear a total of 430 times compared with the words happy or happiness, which only appear about 10 times. I spent a lot of time lately exploring what joy means to me, not just financially or in business, but spiritually, romantically, as a mother, as a wife, as a friend, as a human. And I've arrived here happy is a position and joy is a posture what does that mean when you position something your perspective changes we know the sun is always in the universe however our position on earth informs our perspective about it being night or day right that means happiness is often contingent or circumstantial circumstantial depending on where we are relative to our desire It will determine if we're happy, right? Our position in relationship to another thing. That's why happiness is fleeting. You can see things one way or the other to shift yourself on the happiness continuum. I think that's why the Bible only refers to it a few times. Human nature, at least human nature here as Americans, has a condition of never being satisfied and therefore never happy. I'm still working with this belief in this concept a little bit about happiness and positioning and the posture of joy. So bear with me as I offer this very raw work through of these thoughts and concepts, but I hope it lands on my desired intent because I believe in abundance and I believe in an abundant God and I believe the word choice of joyful was intentional. We can happy ourselves silly doing absolutely nothing right we can be happy sitting on the couch watching netflix we can be happy distracting ourselves on social media we're happy to use excuses to justify why we shouldn't move forward or take action we're happy avoiding high courage conversations about things and people that we need to do because it feels good in that moment it satisfies some type of emotion but when i think about abundance and that intentional word of joyful I don't think that that's... I think that's the perception of happy when the Bible mentions happy because I don't see abundance in that. Happy, yes. Abundance, no. Joy, no, right? That's not the God in you when you are operating in that capacity. Maybe it's happy for you in that moment, but the God in you doesn't seek short-term happiness and accept it as everlasting, as meaningful or purposeful. I believe that the journey to joy is part of the plan it was part of the design that word was used because the human condition can find short-term happiness in ways that are not aligned with our designed intent and they could remove us from living and reaching our highest potential joy is lasting and it satisfies the heart in a unique and marvelous way joy is a posture one that impacts every aspect of our lives Like our spine, the posture of our spine, when it's misaligned, you get an increase in pain in all kinds of places. I know you get headaches that are endless, organ dysfunction, all these things. And things like short-term solutions, like pain pills, they can make you happy in the moment, but they don't truly solve the problem because the deep problem is misalignment. And that's joy to me. That's the posture of joy. Joy requires more intention, more reaching, right? A little more time and patience, discernment. I hope I'm articulating this in a way that is landing and I'll elaborate another time maybe when I can dig deeper into this uh, about joyful noise. But I mentioned at the beginning of this episode that I can't sing and it carries no pressure to pretend uh, to sing for me. However, I can speak and write in an incredibly compelling way. I've heard it hundreds of times at this point and I can no longer I- ignore it, right? But I did ignore it. I did ignore it for a long period of time because it scared me. My voice and my message scared me. My intent, my conviction scared me. And then it scared me to not be received in the way I intended or, or to be judged when I was so raw and real and honest. Here's what changed that for me. I realized that short-term happiness wasn't honoring my joyful noise. My joyful noise, the one that creates safe spaces and activates faith and wakes up giants, and that is in my writing, it's in my speaking, it's in the amplification of my message. And to not amplify that, I am not honoring God or myself. There's no joyful noise in that, right? It made me happy to produce my voice at a way that is not at the level in which it should have been. But that is not the same as the joyful noise. So while singing was a desire, there was no gift behind that. I didn't feel called to express that at a higher level. The beauty in a joyful posture versus a happy position is that you know and expect some pain or struggle. But you know that as long as the core is aligned, you can trust that you can endure it. That it will sustain you because your joy isn't contingent on everything being in or it's not contingent upon everything being in order. And it doesn't fall apart when things fall apart, when something breaks, right? But happy does. Happiness does. Happiness has and carries a lot of contingencies. I think that joyful noise is the highest expression of your brilliance it's in that expression that we observe stewardship here's my question for you my friend are you right now in your business in your daily life creating joyful noise noise that honors the message that was placed on your heart and in a way that draws your audience into you that activates that creates that moves Do you resonate with your mission, your lifestyle, and your business so much so that you exude a joyful posture? Is there a light about you that is unmistakable and undeniable? Or are you just living within a happy position? Do you know what your next level is within that joyful posture and expression, but maybe you're afraid of the work required? Maybe you're afraid of how you will be reviewed, right? like I was to an extent is your happiness contingent upon your income or so long as you know exactly what you need to do next is it so long as you pretend that you don't have something you're actually brilliant at like how I feel about singing are you afraid of what would happen if you actually leaned into the brilliance if you actually amplified the message amplified your voice Making joyful noise requires courage, the willingness to try something that may not work. You prioritize the happiness over the courageous action because it's a short-term dopamine hit. You get the emotional safety and security you need to feel good about yourself when you're operating in a happy position, right? Joyful requires discernment and clarity of who you are and what you want so that you're willing to get there despite yourself and the discomfort. So what would it take for you to trust your brilliance and your voice enough to allow yourself to make joyful noise in the world? That's my question for you. And if you're spinning, trying to find an answer for that, I'd love to see if there's an opportunity for us to connect, talk through it a little bit. Just click the link in the description box. Hey, friends. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. If you had any moments of breakthrough any aha moments, if you just enjoyed this content, it would be a blessing to me if you could leave that feedback in the show by wherever you're listening to the show. Leave a five-star review, drop a comment, let me know what resonated with you. As a thank you, I'd love to give you access to my workshop, Navigating Ambition Without Mom Guilt. All you have to do is do one of two things. Either send me a DM, screenshot the Uh, On your stories, tag me at Courage Hackers on Instagram. Let me know what you thought about it. Screenshot your review and I'll DM you back or send me an email. The email is in the description box. Screenshot your review, send it to me in the email, and I am going to offer you a little thank you gift. Thank you again for listening to the show. My level of self-awareness is such that I'm able to see how my high capacity stress story Aids in my breakdowns and burnouts. Challenge seduces me; it activates me, and I don't mean challenge like being uh, argumenting in, you know, in that way. I mean, I'm attracted to the potential to disrupt any doubts about my limitations, you know, especially as it relates to supporting someone else when I think that I've done all that I could do for myself and yet someone taps me on the shoulder, reaches out and say they have a need that activates me to see if I can actually hold space for someone else even though I am struggling. And because this exists, I became a willing participant in my own overload time and time again one of the ways that I realized I participated in that is the the narrative that I had, the belief I had about what it meant to support beyond well-intended people, people you love, who you're responsible for, but to support them in a time of need when you actually need to prioritize yourself. The story you tell yourself that leads there. My stories were often like, if I don't help them, who will? Or God gave me a high threshold for stress to handle more weight. That's that's really the one right there. I would convince myself that saying no was the equivalent of abandoning the people I love. Now, I could, couldn't easily identify when I was operating at this high capacity stress overload until I was on the other side of it. And the other side of it meant in a breakdown, right? I don't shy away from being a strong woman. I used to pray it away. I used to pray so many things about who I am today away, but I thank God for allowing me the capacity and the mental and spiritual resilience to hold space for so many other people in their highest and lowest, you know, and I, I believe And not just being available and accessible to people you love when they're struggling, but celebrating them even if you were not winning, you know. But back then, (laughs) I was indiscriminate. I had no qualifying measures in place to determine the who, what, where, when, and why someone would get access to me when I was at that point of my capacity for myself. Now, After experiencing my own overloads and breakdowns, I have knowledge and the knowledge is that it has afforded me to operate from this place that I'm going to share with you in a moment. And that's an understanding that high capacity doesn't mean an unlimited capacity, right? High capacity doesn't mean I have an unlimited capacity. And I had to learn to explain that no means that I want to give you all the energy and focus that you're requesting and in need of right now. But there is something demanding more of me at this time. And I know for some people that may not sound like a stretch, but if you're someone who is often the go-to, the shoulder, the ear, you're the one that people are on, the crutch, right? And a part of your identity aligns with that. It's a challenge to say no. It's a challenge to start to recognize that story, that high capacity stress story that you tell yourself. And if that sounds like you, this episode is for you today because I want to hopefully help you to break up with a version of that story. Let's first start with understanding your attraction to stress and, or at least challenges. You know, for me, the challenge itself was like a spark within me, an adrenaline rush, especially when I felt kind of like I was idling, you know, like dormant a part of me. And it would operate like a pool. It would just pull me toward where I want to go, the feeling I wanted and I desperately desired. And I had to sit with myself for a while. Like, why do I feel so inclined to support others when I should be holding space for myself And that's something you should ask yourself. Why do you feel that pull? And yet it's so difficult for you to do do that for yourself because that pull, that spark is addictive and it feels like something that keeps us feeling vibrant and alive and capable in the midst of a season of doubt sometimes. Like it's this whisper of belief, this whisper of alignment that we're looking for when we're struggling to hold on to something within ourselves, you know? And I think it's treachery. I think it's one of those things that can be very deceitful. It's it's seductive and it can blind us into this season of stress, a toll that you don't even realize you're taking, right? Like until you wake up and you're on the other side of it in this dark place, and you have no clue how you got there the danger in that high capacity stress threshold that you have, that story you tell yourself is the fact that it does have this like never ending exhilaration. And is coming from this altruistic place, this place of wanting to do well and help and serve. And we chase one challenge after another in that capacity, thinking that, It will always be as thrilling as the first, but in reality, it often leads to that cycle of burnout. And it's one I I don't think people talk about enough, the helper burnout, You know, the support burnout. When you are someone who genuinely wants to help, it's not like you're trying to grind and hustle and all the things. It's just you're responsible for people or you're, you're committed to some people and you feel committed to them. And you have to push through certain things so that you can support them. Keep in mind that... It's not about avoiding supporting other people when you're struggling. I, I don't think you should avoid the challenge altogether. It's rather about understanding my aim here is to help you to understand the potential risks that you may be subjecting yourself to when you when you're willingly disregarding that internal speed bump that's alerting you like, hey... We're going too far, going too far, going too far, you know, you're disregarding yourself, you're training yourself and conditioning yourself to disregard your needs. You remember, I've shared in this show that it's really important to recognize what you need and give yourself permission to listen to yourself so you can raise the the level of awareness and have confidence in communicating where you are and what you need so that you can you know, deal with it and move on to that next level and you can ascend to that next level. In the initial uh, excitement of all of this, um, you know, it's something that you might feel challenged with. You might notice your energy dwindling a little bit, right? Like your sleep is disrupted. You got something on your mind. You're spiraling a little bit. The relationships around you may feel a little strained. Eventually it goes deeper, but the original like early stages feels like that. And you train yourself to disregard that. And that's the internal speed bump, right? That maybe I'm pushing beyond my level of support at this time. And it's one of those things, like I said before, it takes a toll on your physical, your mental, emotional state. And it leads to that exhaustion. You don't even realize it's exhausting yourself And that's a threat. That is a threat to your next level. It's a threat to those, that self-confidence and the dreams and all that you need to get you through to the next level. Well-intended, well-intended desires that we have to support other people, but we rarely are able to see how our ego sometimes is leading us in these conversations or this deep desire we have to feel good in the moment and justify supporting someone beyond what we're capable of doing. I don't want to make it seem as if I'm saying we should blame ourselves for wanting to push boundaries. It's just about acknowledging that sometimes the path that we thought would lead us one way can also be a form of self-sabotage. Like you think is going to lead you and help you to feel better, but you may be creating the worse, right? And my goal in this episode, is just to help you to gain a clear understanding and perspective of the true cost of that relentless pursuit of supporting beyond your stress threshold. So let's talk a little bit about the belief of an unlimited capacity. I have often seen myself as the superwoman. If you're someone listening to this you may resonate with this like you can take on a lot you know I've had people in my family people around me who have told me like they don't worry about me we don't worry about you that's not a compliment by the way but it makes you develop the sense of self the sense of identity that you are unbreakable you know that you can take on anything that you are immune to stressors but the truth is no one even us super women can carry the weight of the world forever. You know, it's this illusion that we've accepted about an unlimited capacity. And I know, uh, at least for me, is created from this desire to be the rock, to be the person who offers unwavering support and champion so many other people when I've come from you know, circumstances or situations where I wish I had someone like me. So I would make it my mission to be that for other people and disregard myself. And you convince yourself that you should be able to handle it all because you are who you are. And that saying yes to everything someone else needs, the people you want to support, that's a sign of virtue, right? Like that is something that is a cost of admission for being that superwoman. But as you really dig deeper into that, you realize it's another false ideal. You know, it's another thing you convince yourself to believe, a narrative, a story you've sold yourself on that will self-sabotage you and will lead to exhaustion and the burnout and neglect and the threat to your next level. And I think it's important for you to recognize that illusion in, in a way that doesn't diminish your strength. I have this awareness in myself and you still feel just as strong and capable because I understand that even the strongest people need moments of rest and rejuvenation so that you can be as strong as you need to be for the people who matter to you. It's about letting go of this unrealistic expectation that you must be impervious to stress. I know that there's probably experiences that you've had in your life where you are aware of this and your thresholds. But I also know that there are blind spots to this if you have that identity of someone who holds space in this way. A blind spot that you may, may not even realize that you're challenging with threshold right now. And a lot of times, unfortunately, you don't realize it until after, after you've pushed beyond that threshold. It's like walking this tightrope. Right, like a tightrope, and you have no blind—you have on a blindfold, and you can't see, and you are constantly trying to negotiate with your ability to balance your own weight and balance yourself on this rope, and not know if you're going in the right direction or do the right thing until all of a sudden you realize that you can't handle it, that you can't balance it. And you've overextended yourself and you say yes to weight that you actually can't carry and then you crash, right? And I don't want you to get there. I want you to wake up and realize that those internal speed bumps, those little tiny indicators, right? That sleeplessness, that mind just roaming and running and the stressors in some relationships, they're indicators that you are at a capacity. And I don't know what conversation you have with yourself that follows that indicator, that makes you still proceed in that direction. But I just want to help you to see that the belief in unlimited capacity is a mirage. It's not real. And when you come to face the idea that you are human and you're subject to vulnerability and you're subject to limitation, it's going to empower you to say no, right? And realizing that saying no, creating boundaries, saying I need to prioritize what I need in this moment, even to the people who matter to you. I'm not even talking about people who don't matter to you. I'm talking about the ones you've committed yourself to. This isn't a sign of weakness. This is just a testament to your self-awareness, your growth. And this is all about your next level you, right? It's about acknowledging that you are not perfect and that there are boundaries that should be respected. And learning to navigate those boundaries and challenges and conversations in a courageous way with your eyes wide open and understand that when you do so, you are truly understanding your true capacity and ensuring that you don't subject yourself to burnout before you give yourself a fair shot at your next level.